far too often, we lack the boldness and we lack the humility. When God does something really great, we seek to gain from it. And when the thing in front of us is impossible for us to do, we seek to rationalize it away, to make something easier, simple, or less than that. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. It is really good to be here with you today. Imagine with me for a moment, you decided that it was a good day to go gather in the place where God promised to meet you. You decided it was a good day to bring a friend with you so you could hear God's word together. You could sing songs of praise and rejoice. Imagine as you were walking up to meet with God in this place. You look up and see the building rise to the sky and you think of all of God's grand and mighty works, the things he has done how he set the stars in motion, how he created you and me in our mother's womb. Imagine walking up these stairs and seeing the grand pillars, being reminded of how God has been your strength in times that were hard and difficult. Looking at these pillars, how God is unmoving and unchanging and will be there to support you whatever may come. And imagine as you ascend these stairs, you see there on the porch a man leaning against these pillars, a man who for some reason is lame, has been lame for his whole life and is sitting there begging for help. What do you think? How do you feel? How do you respond? Now imagine if it gets even worse, this man's not just sitting there because he's in need of help. He had friends who carried him there, expecting you to support him. He had friends believing that it was your job to provide for that man's needs. Does this change the way you see him? How you love him, how you respond. See, today in our story in scripture, Peter and John are going to the temple, a thing we read last week they did every day. And along the way, they see this man who is lame from birth, who is begging them and expecting them to give him some money. How do they respond? If you'd like to follow along, we're in Acts chapter 3. It's on page 
1137 in the Blue Bibles. If you have your phone, you're welcome to use that. If you have your own Bible, Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. I don't know what page it's on, okay? Acts chapter 3. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. About three in the afternoon, they're going to the temple to pray as they did every day. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. See, we live in a very unique world 2,000 years removed from this. In our world today, if you are in need, there is some resources available. Now, they might not all be there. They might be lacking in funding. It might be difficult to get them. It might take a lot of help to even figure out where do you turn, but there is something available if you're in need. In fact, our very neighborhood has multiple food pantries and shelters and people who are working to help with addiction and people who are willing to help with rent and disability and a whole host of things right here within our neighborhood. That didn't exist in this day. The government didn't provide for you in the slightest and social organizations weren't there to be a safety net when you were in need, even if that safety net doesn't always work the way it should. For them, it wasn't there. And so if you were lame or blind or could not hear, if you were for any reason unable to work, you had two options. Hope and pray you have a family that supported you. How many of you have elderly parents that are living with you or that you have to go and care for regularly? In our culture in America today, the idea of our parents being a burden to us, or even worse, us being a burden to our kids is like the worst thing we could imagine. I don't want to burden anybody. And yet, throughout Scripture, we're called to honor our father father and mother. We're called to bear one another's burdens. And so, for most of history... If you were in need, it was your family's responsibility to provide for you. But what if you didn't have any family? Like children who are orphans or widows whose family has all died. What if you were lame and could not work and no one was there to provide, then what? Well, for most people, you had one other option. Hope and pray that you could beg your way through. Just enough to survive another day. And the best place to do so was there in front of the temple because in almost every religion, all throughout time, the practice of giving alms or giving money to the poor is a a habit and a practice in almost every religion that has always been valued. In fact, if you are a Hindu, it's really important to give to the poor if you have wealth because in Hinduism, Uh, We're all progressing a little bit better towards eventually becoming one with the universe and we know that we're making progress by being better than other people because karma, what you deserve, will always catch up to you and so if you were a bad person in a past life, you're going to be a poor person in this life and maybe if you're a really bad poor person, you might become a bug in the next life, who knows? 
And so when you saw somebody who had nothing, you would give them alms, even in Hinduism, give them something as a means of making life better for you in the future. In Islam, it's still today, one of the core tenets, the five pillars of the faith, you give alms to those who are poor. And if you don't do this, you might not be a Muslim. In in Judaism, in Christianity, in almost every world religion, giving to the poor is an important part of faith. And so if you were poor in the day, you would be brought, if there was somebody to bring you, there before the temple, and you would hope and pray that these religious people on their way to worship God would see you in need and provide for your daily need just a little bit. So this lame man has friends who are able to carry him. And daily they lay him there in the hopes that he'll be provided for. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. This lame man right there at the foot of the temple, as people are passing by, sees Peter and John stop and not just drop some money in his hands and walk away. Stops and says, look at us. I love this story. It's one of my favorites in scripture. I wonder how Peter looked at this lame man. I wonder if he looked with compassion Your plight is hard, your struggle is real, and you deserve the dignity of somebody looking you in the eyes and letting you know that you have worth. I wonder if Peter looked at this lame man and thought about all the lame men Jesus had healed. And I wonder if this man to Peter was just like that, somebody desperately in need of Jesus. I don't know the look on his face, but I love what happens next. This lame man looks up expecting to receive something, but what he gets is not what he was prepared for. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Picture that this very morning as we come to gather in this place, this wonderful, beautiful building where we can remember all that God has done and sing his praises and hear his word. And as you walk up those steps, there leaning on the pillar is a man who is lame, asking for money. Picture stopping and admitting I don't have any silver or gold. Honestly, I never have silver or gold in my pocket. If you wanted to put some in my pocket, I would gladly share it, I promise. But I usually don't even have cash in my pocket because let's face it, cards are convenient. And my phone, I can pay for a lot of things with that too, that's convenient. But it's really difficult in my convenience to care for the needs of others because I can't be like, here sir, we just swipe this card and I'll give you something. Doesn't really work that way. Peter says, look at us. And the man stops expecting to receive something. He looks at them and Peter says, I don't have what you think you need. I don't have any money. 
I don't have any food. I don't have these things you came expecting. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Could you imagine that happening this morning? Walking into church today and you see somebody lame and you sit down and you make eye contact and say, today, get up and walk. I think if I said that, I'd be really concerned about what happened if he didn't. What happens if this man doesn't get up? I don't know about you, but uh, it's only been a handful of times I've seen miraculous healings in my life. Generally speaking, these miracles don't happen as often as I anticipate or even as often as I hope. And so imagine you're walking down the street and somebody asks for money, you're like, be healed, and then they're not. You're not only going to look crazy, you're going to look like a jerk. You just passed up the opportunity to care for somebody by saying, God will take care of it, don't worry about it. But Peter looks him in the eyes, says, get up and walk. And the man does. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Here's the thing I love about this. When does the healing happen in the text? As Peter is raising him up. Not before then. Have you ever lifted somebody out of a wheelchair and said, get up and walk? If they don't, you're in trouble because they're going to be in more pain after that. As he's standing up, his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Picture that. A man who his entire life had never walked. Said, what I don't have, what you think you need, I don't have. I don't have any silver, I don't have any gold, but what I have is Jesus. You can have him too. Get up and walk. And he leaps up and begins walking into the temple. See, this is really significant on a lot of levels because it's not just about his legs being healed and him having the ability to walk. That's really good and would be good enough on its own. But he joins them and walks into the temple. If you don't know this about temple practices, those who were lame or blind or broken were not allowed in the temple. Those who were lame and blind and broken, those who could not on their own come in were not allowed to come in because they were imperfect and perfection was required before God. So for the first time in his life, this man not only walks and leaps, but is welcome to come to the very place where they were promised to meet with God is welcome to be included in the community, not as one dependent upon everybody else's generosity for their own good and gain, but as one who could participate whole and healed. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. 
And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I love that. The people knew who he was. He'd been there long enough, they'd come to know him. And I have to say and even confess, I know a lot of our neighbors who sometimes hang out on our porch. I know them by name, and some of them are friendly and kind, and I love you. And some of them are not so friendly and kind. And it's really hard to love them. But not a single one of our neighbors who hangs out on our porch have I ever had the boldness and the confidence, the faith to look them in the eyes and say, I know what you think you need, but Jesus, he's even better. Let me give him to you. And what would it look like for you and I to have this kind of prayer? This faith that because he's done it before, he can and will do it again. Not every time. Not always when you want. Jesus never tells us, go and heal people. He says, you will heal people. Like this is an outflow of what I'm already doing. And you and I are not responsible if we pray and ask God to heal somebody and they don't get healed. God's responsible. But far too often, for fear of looking like a fool or failure, I don't even take the time to ask. I don't take the time to believe God actually can do the things he's promised to do to look people who are hurting in the eyes and say, I have something so much better than you think you need. Can I give them to you? All the people see what happened and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. They were overwhelmed with the sense of how can this be? Because God is good. His promises are true. Peter had seen Jesus time and time again heal the lame and the blind and the sick and feed the hungry. And when Jesus came to feed the hungry, he didn't say we're having a can drive. He simply thanked God and then fed the hungry. And God did the rest. Continuing on. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. That is the porch in front of the temple with its big columns, the place of gathering for those who were not welcomed in the temple. This man who's healed clings to Peter and John. You have brought me a totally new life, far more than he ever expected to receive. And they all come running together. And when Peter sees the crowd, says he addressed the people Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Peter says, don't you realize, like, we can't do this. It's not my doing. I have no holiness that's more holy than the rest of you. I have no more power than the rest of you. I didn't do this. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, The God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, 
whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of all of you. I love Peter's response to doing a thing that I would have been, quite honestly, a little terrified if it happened. I mean, I've prayed for healing before. I don't know if you have. And I've seen healing happen. There's one time specifically where I prayed for a young man who from birth had cerebral palsy and had been in a wheelchair. He was 13 and I prayed fervently and I thought for sure he'd get up and walk and he never did, ever. And another time I had a friend who had cerebral palsy but it wasn't quite as bad. She just had a little limp and a few things that were hindrances and I prayed for her not really expecting because the first time it didn't work and then she got healed. And we could see a difference in her gait and in her ability to run and I was like, this is weird because I know I can't do it, but he can. Peter says, why are you guys all filled with wonder? Don't you know this God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? This God who long ago promised that he would be our God, that he would go before us, that he would move the mountains. This God who rescued his people from slavery in Egypt, who delivered them through the wilderness and fed them when they were hungry. This God who gave to them not only this land, but this beautiful place called the temple, this God whom you crucified, Jesus. Peter says, don't you know, it's not me. It's all him. I love this story on many reasons. One, I love the boldness of Peter to see a man in need and give him something he was never expecting. Quite honestly, a thing I'm often not expecting as well. And sometimes people get caught up, well, I don't ever see the Holy Spirit move like that. And and there's a flip side of that. In our culture today, 2,000 years removed, sometimes people have artificially faked the Holy Spirit moving like that for the sake of making money. And so because I don't see it and people have done it wrong, I'm just going to not do it at all. But what if we just need to be like Peter? I know what God has done. I know what he's promised to do, and I'm just going to trust. And maybe there will be times when we don't get it right. And maybe there will be times when God doesn't answer our prayer the way we think. And maybe there will be times when we desperately long for healing and it doesn't happen. But maybe, maybe there will be times he does heal. And maybe there'll be times when people get up and walk and we have no way to explain it other than this Jesus is who he said he'd be. And he always will be.
I love not only the boldness of Peter, but I love the humility of Peter. See, if you know Peter's story, he's not always been humble. In fact, he's been pretty good at being pretty bad on a regular basis. And yet he says, this this isn't about me. It's not for my gain and my glory. He's not profiting off of the healing. He's simply sharing the love of Jesus through the power of Jesus. And you and I, if we have been baptized, have been baptized into this very same power. See, when we're baptized, we are given a new name, the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the same name that rose Jesus from the dead and gave this man the strength in his feet and his ankles to leap and praise. The same name that led Abraham and Isaac and Jacob through the wilderness has been given to you and me. Far too often, we lack the boldness and we lack the humility. When God does something really great, we seek to gain from it. And when the thing in front of us is impossible for us to do, we seek to rationalize it away, to make something easy or simple or less than that. Somebody last week texted in, what's one of your favorite Bible verses? And this is it. What if we had the boldness to ask for this when somebody's hurting? What would it look like as you're walking into church and there's somebody who's clearly struggling with some physical ailment to not only care for their physical need, but even more, do something deeper, something that invites them into the presence of God and his love and his kindness? What would it look like for us to say it's not about me or the point or you or us? It's all about him. What would it look like for us to begin to see mental illness healed? And again, I have to be cautious because at times the church has really gotten it wrong and justified not caring for and treating the things we now have the ability to treat because of, well, Jesus will heal you, just believe more. That is not at all what I am saying we should do. See, one of the ways Jesus heals today is he has given us all kinds of science and understanding of how the world works that we can, through doctors, bring healing to people. But what if we can also, simply through prayer, bring it? Maybe we should ask for both. And maybe we should trust in both. And maybe we should live as if we have something to give to those who are hurting, to those who are broken, to those who've been told they're far off. Will you pray with me today? God, we thank you for Peter, for John. How they stopped and they looked this man in the eyes. They brought him dignity and worth and value before they ever did anything in your name. We thank you for their boldness and their humility. 
we ask that you would teach us to be bold, to believe that you are more than capable of healing the sick, of setting free those who are in chains, of bringing hope and healing to those who are hurting. Would we be bold enough to believe? And would we be humble enough to say it's not about us? When you heal and when you don't, would it all be for your glory? May we just be faithful with whatever you put in front of us. God, we ask that through your name and your power and the work that you are doing in us, the whole world around us would be filled with awe and wonder. Who is this God? This God who loves and cares and moves so mightily. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have been gathering on Wednesday nights the last several weeks for some food and for some prayer. And most of the prayer nights have been very unstructured in that I've given a couple of prompts and, hey, consider praying for this. That's what I'm praying for. And otherwise, pray for whatever you feel led to pray for. I want to do something different this Wednesday, and I'd like to invite you to join me. I don't know if God will heal anybody, but I know there are people who need it. I don't know if God will move and heal the lame like he did for Peter, but I know that we need to ask. And so if you have any kind of physical ailment, something you have been dealing with for a while, maybe since birth, I want to invite you on Wednesday to join us. And we'll simply ask and see what God does. As we continue our worship today, we're going to collect an offering. You know, one of the things the church used an offering for very early on as they gathered together was to care for the physical needs of all people. We fully believe he can and he does heal. And we also believe that he's equipped us to be his hands and feet to feed those who are hungry and care for those who are hurting. And so when we give in this place, part of our giving is so that through here together we can go out and bless and serve and care for those with real needs. And so if you would like to give today, if you came prepared to give with cash and check, there will be popcorn buckets in the back corners as you exit. You can place your cash and check in there. If you filled out a physical connect card, that can go in those buckets as well. I'd love to connect with you this week. If you came prepared to give and would rather give online, you can do so at thepointknocks.com by clicking the, the little teal button in the bottom corner, selecting I'd like to give. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Uh, every Sunday, we invite questions. Uh, you guys are welcome to text them in anonymously, and I'll do my best to respond. What came in today, Kaylin? Our first question is, what is the food theme for this Wednesday? I think, is this, Jay, is this the week you're making food? Yeah, if you don't know this, Jay uh, smokes food. Uh, is it pork? Is that what you're doing? He's doing smoked pork to the, this, this week. Uh, and it will be the tastiest week, minus perhaps the homemade ice cream. Uh, but it is super good. He's really good at the smoker. So bring a side to go with a pulled pork sandwich, your favorite side, and join us Wednesday night. Nice. Our next question is, how do you become a pastor? I want to learn more. How do you become a pastor? Well, in the Lutheran church, it's complicated. So uh, the short answer is 
uh, begin by talking to me. There's a lot of things throughout scripture about uh, what it looks like to be a, a pastor. Maybe read First and Second Timothy or Titus and look at some of the qualifications. What do you need to be apt to do to be a pastor? And then with that, we can talk about the process. It requires uh, four years of seminary. It might require moving to St. Louis or doing the program Adam's doing online. It's complicated, but I would absolutely love to talk. Yeah. Um, the next question is, why is it that it is just the acts and how God moved through unschooled ordinary men? Men is capitalized. M- men is capitalized in the text? Mm-hmm. So we have a culture today that equates any gender usage as isolating and exclusive, and that's not historically the way language has been used. Um, And so when you read in the Bible about um, men, sometimes it's referring to all of people, humanity. Uh, Now, it was quite literally they were, what you see in the next chapter you'll see, or the next section when that verse comes up, they were actually looking at men who were doing these things. They're talking about Peter and John who were actually men. But you'll also see throughout Acts that women were very present, not only present, predominant, did significant things. So simply the use of men doesn't mean that one is inferior or lower. In this case, it's talking about Peter and John who were actually men. Okay, and the next one is really sweet. What can we pray about for you, Pastor? Oh, thank you. Uh, I shared this last week with some of our volunteers. Uh, I have been uh, lately noticing that I don't know many of you. And what I mean by that is a lot of you are new in the last six to 12 months, and I might know your name, but we've never gotten together for coffee or for lunch. I don't know your family or your story or your struggles. And, And likewise, I have noticed that many of you who've been here longer than I have I I don't really know because the last two years of COVID has been very alienating and isolating and a lot of good has fallen apart. And so I am prayerfully in this place of how do we get to know one another new? How do we become the kind of community we want to be and need to be and uh, in fact desire to be? Um, So you could pray for vision and wisdom and clarity, but also uh, you could pray for just opportunities. And if your schedule is free, please reach out. I would love to go out and have coffee with no agenda other than just getting to know you. Um, So that would be one thing. I think the second thing, I was telling my wife uh, and the coffee volunteers, they were laughing at me as we were singing earlier. The last several weeks, I've been dealing with like a ton of leg cramps. And uh, even standing here singing, I was like, I don't know if I can stand for this sermon with my quads. So I went back and stretched, and they were making fun of me, and, or at least laughing at me. So, no, pray for that, because why not? There we yeah. go. Got to stretch the quads. <laughs> <laughs> the next question is, what miracles have you witnessed? Oh, man. Um, I literally watched a friend's leg grow like two inches one time. Her one leg was shorter than the other, and it was in part because of cartilage that was missing in her hip from birth. And it was incredible because she didn't believe it and thought the whole thing was a hoax and was phony. And uh, because of it, anytime she would squat, her hip would pop out a joint and be really painful. And so the guy who was there leading and teaching and praying was, this was the first time I saw healing. It was like mind blown. He said, hey, what could you not do before that you could try to do now? And she's like, well, I couldn't squat. And he's like, would you try that now? And the look on her face was like, no, 
but okay. And she did, and she literally leapt up with joy because she didn't have it happen and had no pain. And I was like, cool, right? You know, maybe the, the physical leg growing was just like a trick, I don't know. But she was feeling different and she went back to the doctor and the cartilage and the things that she had missing here from birth were there. It's like, awesome. There was a time where I almost got it really wrong. My neighbor was a very spiritual, new age, Eastern meditation guy. And uh, he invited me over to his house uh, to try his juice bar that he was selling. And these were all these juices that would help with people's healing. And I was so uncomfortable and I went over and uh, as I'm there, this lady came in to buy juice for her husband who's uh, had inoperable brain cancer and was uh, likely to die soon. And uh, ironically, it was her job at the hospital to determine when people could go home after brain surgery and her husband couldn't have surgery. And so while I was there, I just felt the need to pray for her husband and I didn't. I walked away and went home because it was uncomfortable. And at home, I just felt this overwhelming, like, I got to go back. And so I went back and she was still there. And I awkwardly said to the guys, like, I know you don't believe in Jesus, but I do. Can I, can I pray for his healing? And they both are like, sure, whatever. And so we prayed and that was that. There was no moment, no special magic. I was like, that was awkward. All right. And then I went home, but we exchanged numbers. And then she called me and said his tumor disappeared. And she had my wife and I over for dinner and we got to hang out with her family and get to know them a little bit. It was really awesome. Um, beyond that, <laughs> very few, but I would love to see it daily. For now, it's just, I'll be excited when it happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the second to last question is, an FPU host, why do you not have any cash? <laughs> <laughs> Touche. So if you don't know what FPU is, Financial Peace University and Dave Ramsey is all about carrying cash. Uh, because cash is king and you, it's easier to stay within your budget with cash. And the answer to that is twofold. Laziness, because it requires going to the bank. And my wife found a new budgeting platform that uh, helps me stay within my budget better. And so for her sake, she's asked that we just use that platform. So because I'm lazy and don't want to go to the bank, I took the opportunity to do things digital. <laughs> But touche, by the way. Yeah, call them out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the last thing isn't a question, but someone said awesome sermon today. Hey, thank you. Well, I have one more. So you guys are welcome to message me anytime as well. And somebody texted in a series of questions today. Now, if you text me, it's not anonymous, all right? That number is. But somebody texted me a series of questions and I think they're really worth saying something briefly. And I have, to, I have to preface, this is not a conversation we could ever have in full in five minutes or an hour or even a few hours. It's a conversation worth a lot of thought and prayer and discussion for hours and days and weeks on end, okay? So know that I'm only briefly gonna give you something and if it triggers a whole lot more thoughts, I would absolutely love to sit down and listen and talk and discuss and teach as long as you want. All right, what are your thoughts on the Roe v. Wade decision? So here's my really, really brief answer. About 12 years ago, I tattooed on my wrist, end abortion, because I fully believe 100% 
that all lives matter at all ages and we need to care for them. And I also, after having tattooed this on my wrist, thought I found myself facing an unplanned pregnancy with a woman I wasn't even dating. No, it wasn't my wife. And I strongly considered in that instance having an abortion. And I looked at my wrist after several days of strongly considering it and I broke down in tears because somebody so dedicated to believing life matters could be so afraid and confused and hurt that I would consider maybe this is a good option. And my whole perspective shifted now to believing wholeheartedly that abortion still is not good, but also what's not good is women who don't have hope or help or support, dads who feel like they're in over their heads and are afraid. What's also not good is women who don't have access to healthcare or childcare or a whole host of things. And so, what do I feel about Roe v. Wade? I don't really know. Because it doesn't solve the problem, but it might be a step in the right direction. It might be the beginning of an opportunity to say Roe v. Wade didn't actually solve the problem. It didn't care for women well. It didn't spell out how to provide for them well. It didn't take care of these children. It didn't fix our foster care system and our adoption program and all these things that are broken. So maybe we together can say we have a lot of differences, but we need to care about all life together. So my hope and my prayer is that the church that has spent 50 years loudly crying out against this law would wholly commit themselves to the next 50 years to beginning to do something for women and children of all ages. That's how I feel. And I will gladly talk way more in depth about that at any time, but I felt it was worth responding to. So thank you for the question. You have a question, Tony? When are we having bar church again? The answer is, I don't know. We just haven't scheduled it. Um, there's been a lot of things we've been working towards, and that just hasn't happened yet. So hopefully we'll have bar church again. For those of you who don't know, we semi-regularly go to a bar and have church in a bar and have a great time. Uh, it's always a lot of fun. So um, hopefully we'll do that again soon. I have no idea where it'll be, Tony, because we haven't scheduled it, so we'll have to figure out that out when we schedule it. If you like the open cord, we'll put that on consideration for a possible next place to go again. Any last questions? Sometimes people respond or text in late. Otherwise, I'll leave you with a blessing and you can go. It's a really complicated Now the pressure's password. on to put the password in right. Yeah. <laughs> I make the password to the church iPad super complicated. One... Two, three. I'm to tell people that. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> there are no other questions. No more. Okay. I'll laugh for nothing. <laughs> okay. Church, as you go, receive this blessing today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. 
Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.